Welcome to the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with emerging artists and industry leaders about all things paper flowers. Through this podcast, we hope to continue to share knowledge, connect all of us together, and elevate the artistry of each and every one of us. Hello, I'm Quinn Wen. I'm Jesse Chu. I'm Priscilla Park. Our mission is to share, connect, and elevate the paper floral industry. We are some of the voices behind the Paper Floors Collective. Welcome to our podcast, Paper Talk. We love hearing what you have to say about the Paper Talk podcast. Our friend from Instagram, Petals by Joyce Marie, said, Loving these podcasts. Really love this one with Margie. Happy birthday at the lovely Abe. Thank you, Joyce Marie. We can't wait to hear what you have to say about our podcast. You are listening to episode 11 of Paper Talk Podcast. Today we are talking with Cade Alarcon, our favorite, favorite, favorite friend. And she is the queen of taking paper and magically manipulating it into something unusual. So welcome, Kate. We're so excited to talk to you today. Thanks, guys. That was a really nice introduction. So, Kate, we're super excited to hear about your book that's coming out in the fall. We've heard so much about it. I've talked to you personally about it. So tell us a little bit uh, about it. Give us a summary. What's it about? It's a hybrid of a craft book and more of like a lifestyle coffee table type book. So the first half is portraits of 30 different plants and flowers with a little write-up next to them to kind of give you, you know, just a sort of an introduction to what's interesting about the flower. So historical fact, mythology around it, like weird structure. And then the middle section is, you know, the techniques that you'll need. And then there's the projects in the back. Kind of an interesting project in that it's this, it's kind of two books in one in some ways, but it's called Uncommon Paper Flowers. I just picked flowers that I thought were kind of out of the way, like not necessarily all of them are completely different than anything you've seen before, but stuff that you might not necessarily think of as being a paper flower, like a spider plant, for example, is like the most common plant in the world in some ways, you can find it Mm -hmm. in any grocery store. But it's kind of interesting to think about the genetic relation between the plant and the little babies. And anyway, so each one has kind of a, it's almost like, it's almost like as if I was introducing a friend and like, here's all the interesting things you'd want to know about. (laughs) It was really fun to write. That is so cool. So did you have to do a lot of research when you were writing the portions about the uniqueness of these flowers? Yeah, yeah. Um, Every profile has about a 300 word write up. So that's a lot of facts to cram in. Yes. So it took time to kind of research. A lot of what took me a long time was that I'm not a botanist. So I had to kind of figure out how does this work and then figure out how to translate it to kind of mm-hmm. something that anybody could understand, even if they're not from uh, like a, a botany background. Right. But in the end, that was kind of the most satisfying part of it, I think. I, I felt like by the end, I understood more about how plants and flowers work than I did before. That's so cool. I think it's such a unique take unique we're using that word a lot Uh, uncommon as well take on flowers like you said do you find that that's just a reflection of your personality and interest yeah I do I I do gravitate toward weird projects and even from the (laughs) beginning I was really interested in or I felt really attracted to kind of unusual plants and that served me well especially at the beginning because it was easier to differentiate what I did Mm-hmm. Now, I think that would be much less true. There's like a way wider variation in, in plants and flowers that are attempted in paper now, which I think is wonderful. But it was a nice, safe time to get started, right? Because I had my own little niche for a while. I'm really grateful for for the timing on that. That's awesome. It's really, really awesome to hear that you've been able to kind of put everything you've learned over the, you know, the last couple of years into this wonderful book. What did you find challenging 
about writing this book? The hardest part was the schedule. I We really needed like a little bit over a year to get it done. But what we had was more like seven or eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the hardest thing for me was the schedule. Chronicle had a certain amount of time they could do it if they wanted to meet the sales targets and stuff. I, I don't know about that, but there's like a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain things that are timed a certain way. So it wasn't any kind of recalcitrance on their part. It was just, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So a much shorter period of time than I would have, it would have been ideal. But the, the thing that was hardest about it was the way that the, um, the order of deadlines fell. So mm-hmm. like I had to... I, like, I had to write the instructions before I had even designed some of the models. Mm-hmm. I had to build everything before I shot the step-by-steps, which means kind of like building everything a couple times. And before I could get any of it started, I had to get the text on the on the write-ups of the plants done. So right. it was just whatever it would have been had I done from start to finish, it was probably mm-hmm. like twice the work because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that yeah. was definitely the hardest. And then staying organized and motivated. Fortunately, I had a real like the editor was super flexible, but not too flexible because otherwise we'd still be doing it. You know, that really saved me. Yeah. Did you have a choice in terms of how the schedule would how it lined up in terms of when certain things were due? Whole, you know, the the content versus the photos versus, I mean, it sounds like, like you said, it would have made sense if it was uh, completely the other way around. Because to me, it's kind of like, well, the actual 300 word description of the flowers aren't as important as the tutorials themselves. Like that could come at any time. They just like pop it in. Did you have any say in that? Not really. And I, I don't remember exactly why each step needed to happen at each time. But there were, you know, there's stuff that happens on the other end that, that you don't necessarily know. In, in some ways, that's kind of the hardest thing about it is I only know, you know, what I what I talked to my editor about. And mm-hmm. there's all the stuff going on her end that I don't necessarily like I'm not necessarily aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I couldn't tell you exactly why, but we what we figured it out as best we could on both sides just kind of had to be what it was. Did you have a choice who the editor or did you get to pick and choose your editor? So my agent pitched it to the editor at Chronicle. And as far as I know, there was never a question of me picking an editor, but rather an editor came attached to a deal. I will say, had I been able to pick an editor, I would have picked my editor. She was great. How did you go about finding your agent? So that was just complete, just complete luck on my part. So I had this idea. I'm kind of, I was kind of friendly online with Flora Forager, Bridget at Flora Forager. I had this idea to ask her like, hey, because she, she takes apart flowers and then makes images with the flowers. And I was like, would you ever want to like take apart some of my flowers? Because then, you know, you might be able to make some cool pictures. And I just thought the idea was interesting, like building something that was going to be torn apart to build something else. So I had this cool idea. I met with Bridget, completely lovely person, totally unwilling to tear up my flowers. <laughs> 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 you know, you feel about some of your flowers where it's like, oh, I'm done with these forever. Like some of these that. So she, so she posted very, very kindly posted some pictures of my stuff on Instagram. And so her agent, Cindy, she contacted me to see if I'd be interested in having her represent. And we worked, we did a couple of different versions of a book proposal. And then the, the second version was the one that, that actually got us a deal. So did you have to submit the different proposals? Is that what you mean? My agent met with the publishing people and they kind of talked about, you know, she talks to them about different people that she's got and different projects they could do. And then they had an idea and then we wrote a proposal for the idea. So the first proposal we wrote 
was for somebody who wanted the first one um, wanted a book that was kind of like an you know an A to Z flower meaning book. It wasn't going to be a project like a like a DIY book. It was just like here's information about like sixty flowers. Here it here's the the little you know paper version that I did, and here's the write up. Um, they sat on that for seven months before letting us know that they didn't want it. And every step of the way, it was like, uh, it was like, oh, we're just any any moment now, we're just gonna get back. <laughs> so the whole time, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is this gonna happen? And then it didn't. And then my agent talked to Chronicle, and they were kind of interested in this uncommon paper flowers idea. So then we wrote a, a proposal for them specifically, you know, to, to meet their their specific needs as opposed to like having a generic one to throw at them. So you've talked about kind of the nitty gritty of getting, you know, your editor, your publisher and all of that. But how did you first come up with the idea that you're going to write a book? That's a really interesting question because I kind of can't think about a time that I was like, hmm, should I do a book? It was always in my head. I guess because I, I came to crafts by reading craft books, right? So I'm like, I want to be a really good crafter and then a good teacher. And then I hope I'll be able to do a book. Now that I've been through it, can understand why that would be a good question to ask yourself. Is this a good idea? But, you know, you it's hard to know that until you've really been through it. You know, it's like that same thing where, you know, people tell you childbirth is hard and you're like, okay, it's not hard. <laughs> and then you're it. Wait a minute. You know, I should have <laughs> It'll be hard for you, but for me, it's fine. Not a problem. <laughs> okay, full disclosure, I had two C-sections and I still complain about it. <laughs> It just kind of naturally flowed from you that you're like, of course, I'm going to do a book. Just happened. Well, I didn't think it would happen. It was more like if it ever happened, that would be wonderful. You know what I mean? One of those like goals type things. And then it's it's the difference between kind of like those gauzy, wonderful dreams and then like the reality of cranking out 100 pages of instructions. Like it was, yeah, that part of it was really hard. But I do, I do get that I was so, so lucky. Uh, to be able to do it. I think it's really interesting. So creating a step-by-step tutorial that people read versus doing a tutorial, a video tutorial is completely different. And I think a lot of people, it's it's very challenging writing it down where you only have pictures. In a book, you don't have all steps that's in between a, like a video where you can see the entire process. So how did you go about writing the instructions? How detail, how do you know how much detail to put into the step-by-step tutorial for a book? Did your editor help you quite a bit? Did you have testers to test out making the flowers? So the instructions, I, I've written for a while, like contributed tutorials to Design Sponge. And so I had some practice with that. Um, I always, when I do workshops, I always write up the tutorials and that's nice because you can kind of see as you go through the tutorial, like how people are doing with the instructions. No, we didn't. So the idea was that we were going to have testers, but I think because of the schedule that didn't end up working. So we had some really amazing proofreaders and my editor worked on it too, just saying like, I can't envision what you're talking about here. Like you just said up there, but then you said, turn it sideways. So did you mean, I mean like that kind of just really detailed. And it took us a few passes to get through all of them. So that was that was tricky. Usually though, it wasn't you've skipped this step entirely, and but more like this step C of this larger step. I'm not sure quite what you meant by X, if that makes I found, sorry, personally, um, when I was working with my editor, yes, they had a proofreader that amazing. I guess that's their job. Like they're just used to reading people. Yeah. I don't know how they do it because they must have to go through line by line, be very patient, literally, like you said, visualize what you're, what you've written in their mind, whether it's turning something clockwise or whatever, and being able to understand it. Such an amazing job. Totally agree. The level of detail that they yeah, have. Detail. 
I mean, it must have like, I feel like I, when I read, I don't read so super carefully every single mm-hmm. one. But I mean, that's just such a skill. I, and I was so grateful for it too. Cause I could, every time I could tell the book was getting better and better every pass through. So what are some of the highs and lows of writing the book? Like when were you absolutely like, I don't want to do this anymore. Or were you ever at that point? And when were you like, this is amazing. It was really, it was fun to see how much stuff I could make under a really like tight, stressful deadline. Like, it was stressful and horrible. But like when I would look at how much like I was actually producing, it was like, whoa, that's a good feeling, you know? Yeah. And I enjoyed doing the research stuff. It, it just was, it was just like every time we were coming down to the wire and then it stinks because, you know, there's just not enough time for any of it. So the first step, there's not enough time. So you borrow a little bit from the next step. And then the ne- and you just keep going until you're at the end, which is the absolute most stressful time. And you've already bitten into like 90% of the, it was really hard. <laughs> yeah, most of it was just like schedule related. And it was, well, yeah, I, w- I would say that was probably, probably the hardest part. I guess the other thing was there just was not enough room to have like when I did a design sponge tutorials, you know, I had just tons and tons and tons of pictures, but we really only had a certain amount of pictures available per project. And so trying to write around that and make sure that the photos were supplemented by words was tricky. That was really hard. It was really rewarding to see when I went on, we went down to Portland to have the pieces like styled and photographed. And the stylist Kira Corbin is like a genius. And the photographer Alice Gao is a genius. And the best part was that they have been working together for a really long time. So they have this rapport that was just like amazing to see. And just to see them like work together and just kind of get the vibe of the work was like, or my pieces was just really like a goosebump inducing experience. Wow. That's really cool. Did you have a say, sorry, did you have a say in terms of um, the photographer and stylist? Um, yeah, well, actually, I don't remember if they asked me. No, I think I did. Yeah, no, I, I just loved their stuff. It was, it was hard because, actually, you know, I will tell you what is the hardest part. Every single aspect of it, paper stuff, I know how to explain the directions, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got an editor, a stylist, a photographer, uh, another stylist, all those people are top level, amazing at their job. The gap between what I can do and what they can do, just like for a while, just deflated my confidence because I was like, oh, that's what good, like, I mean, my photos aren't, aren't, you know, the best in the world, but I feel like they were fine before. <laughs> After I came out of that, I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. And I feel like I'm still kind of recovering from that. It's like, that, that's the price you pay for working with people who are just bonkers amazing, you know. You should know to be around those type of people that you realize, oh, I have so much work to do. And it just makes you work a little bit harder to get to that level. Yeah, definitely. It must have been somewhat intimidating working with people who have such portfolios. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I would have been intimidating too. <laughs> I would have been like, no, can you just turn that flower a little bit? And I'm not sure if they meant to do that or not. Like, I don't well, know. That's the hardest. That was seriously the hardest part is that. So I'm at the photo shoot. I'm watching what they're doing. And they're like, the photographer was so kind. She'd be like, do you want to come see? And I would look at you like, you know, what do you think? And I, like, all I could say was, that's wonderful. Because I felt like it was a lie to say that the photo, I mean, not that I had any particular feedback, but just I, I couldn't even look at it to be like, what would I say? It was more like, you know, it's like when the doctor asks you what you think she should do about something and you're like, who was your photographer and stylist? It was, so the stylist for the book in general, like how the layout was going to look, all that, that was um, Lizzie Vaughn. 
Alice Gao was the pho- the photographer, and then Kira Corbin was like the prop stylist for the the first section, which is like like the kind of the beauty shop. What a fun day that must have been to put all those. Things. Was it one day or multiple days? It was four days of shooting, oh, wow. and the entire time I was sitting at a table making the rest of the stuff. So that hopefully by the last day, so the last day of shooting, I was, I had been up to like four in the morning and then, you know, I got there, I'm still working on stuff. I'm making the the working on paper flowers, like gesture with my hands. So still working on stuff. It was so stressful, but we made it. We did it on time. And like when I walked out of there with all my stuff and it was done, I just felt like this like massive, like this massive weight lift. I bet. That's intense. Four days. Yeah. Wow. So how did your family handle the whole book writing process? It was really tough. My husband basically was like a single father for a while. And he, I mean, oh my God, God bless him. He did everything. He cooked, he cleaned, he made sure that, you know, backpacks were together and lunches were packed. I mean, basically all I could do, you know, I did hang out with the kids after school, but during that time I was mostly working, working at night, working on the weekend. It, it, he was a really good sport about that. Yeah. And, and when the book was finished, you know, we tried to treat it like, okay, this is all of our project that we're celebrating because everybody made sacrifices for it. And, you know, they're in the acknowledgements and in wow. the, uh, in the dedication. And I think that was really fun. We, we just got the sample copy about a week or two ago. Oh, exciting. You're not at that stage, are you, Jesse? No, we're doing the final color proofs. Which I'm freaked out about because I look at the colors and it's like tuned to uncoated paper, but the colors are like uh, scary. They're scary. They're like high contrast. They look like super saturated. So I I can only trust like you, trust my editor. So Kate, do you have any book tours booked or are you planning on going on book tour? Well, so I have, I have a marketing person at Chronicle and a publicity person at Chronicle and they are figuring this out, but we're just going to do something locally. Publishers no longer send you on book tours because they can't pay for it. So, <laughs> like, you can go on as much of book tour as you're willing to pay for. Pay for. But, you know, with with two kids, and it's a little hard to, to go traipsing around the country on my own dime. Right. <laughs> so, I'm going to do probably um, Seattle and maybe Portland, maybe the Bay Area. We'll see. And D.C., of course, because, you know, we come out. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, if you ever do come this way, I'll host you. I'll, I'll, you know what, when you do your book, Priscilla, I'll come for you. Sure. <laughs> We're going to make it happen, Priscilla. Yeah, we will, yeah. Ben, We will. I'm not deserting uh, you on that front. <laughs> so, Kate, where can we purchase your book and when does it, importantly, come out so we can have it in our hand? Okay, I cannot emphasize this enough. It is now available for pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> on my website, they give you this whole like checklist of things you have to do. And I feel like it's all I say now. It's like, hi, I'm Kate. My book's now available for pre-order. <laughs> so it is now available for pre-order, but you can buy it. I mean, you can actually have a physical copy on October 15th, though it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon. I'm not allowed to just say Amazon. It's Amazon, Go Indie, Barnes & Noble, Waterstones. I think that's all of them. It's available for pre-order though. <laughs> and we'll list the links below for um, anyone listening. Just go to the blog post that goes along with this podcast and you'll be able to find the links to Kate's book as well as her Instagram with all of her work and her website. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was really fun to chat with you. Oh, you guys too. I love you guys. Same here. <laughs>